Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, and on today's show, we're going to be interviewing one of the experts in the field of name, image, and likeness, Zach Zoskin of Voltage Management. He runs a company, an agency that works with athletes building their brands, and we're going to talk with Zach about everything that's coming down the pipe with name, image, and likeness and athletes being able to profit off of it at the NCAA level. Now, real quick, before we dive into today's show, I want to remind you guys that if you want to subscribe to DuckTerritory.com, you can do so for as low as $1. Yes, $1 for your first month, and then it's $9.95 thereafter that. Inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks, expert analysis and opinion. You get to read all the content across the 24-7 Sports Network and not just our site. So that means uh, if, if Oregon's recruiting a player and he's deciding between Oregon, USC, and Ohio State, you can get the inside information from the Oregon side. Then you can go read what the USC site is reporting and what their sources down in Southern California are hearing. And then you can go check out the Ohio State site and, and check out our guys over there and, and see what they are reporting from Columbus and kind of get the full story. You don't just get one side of it. You get the full story of how everything happens from a recruiting perspective, from a team perspective, and other avenues. You get access to Oregon Duck insiders like myself, Eric Scopel, Kevin Wade, and then our regional and national guys like Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, Blair Anguillo, Steve Wiltfong, Barton Simmons, uh, all of those guys that are national, regional, and local uh, insiders. You get access to those guys as well. And then you get exclusive recruiting coverage here on DuckTerritory.com. So highly encourage you guys to jump in on that if you can. Back to today's show, though, we're, like I said, we're going to have Zach Soskin on. He runs the Voltage Management Agency. He works with athletes on building and maintaining their brands. He's an expert in this field, and he's also got some unique connections uh, to Oregon football and also high school and college football. He interned in the recruiting department at Oregon while he was a student at the U of O uh, in the early 2010s. He then also spent some time working with Adidas, working with them and, and their brand management, and also high school football, grassroots football, seven on seven, uh, was a, a big person behind the scenes with Adidas. And uh, if you followed high school recruiting, um, the last three, four, five years, Adidas has kind of exploded onto the scene from a high school perspective and a college perspective for football. And Zach was part of that in building that brand and and that brand awareness with Adidas. And now he's running his own agency. And we're going to get his opinion uh, on a lot of topics with today's show of what athletes at Oregon could could have profited off of name, image, and likeness this past season. Whether that's Justin Herbert, Sabrina Ionescu, uh, or other athletes on campus. And there's going to be a ton that Zach will, will, will fill us in on. Uh, we'll also discuss what programs are are set up to be in a good position here. Um, there's a ton of information that we're going to have from Zach on, on a wide ranging of topics. So uh, let's get into today's show. 
All right, Zach, thanks for, for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time in this instance in which athletes and rights and all of that is, is changing, it seems like, every few months. You've, you've worked with athletes for m- multiple years, whether that's uh, with your own company, uh, Voltage Management, or with Adidas and, on the athlete side there. Just could you maybe take me back like three years ago and did you think, was this kind of starting where athletes, particularly college athletes, the the idea that they could maybe profit off their name, image, and likeness, was that a, a, three years ago? Did you think this we'd, we'd be here this quickly? Honestly, yeah. Um, I think there was, you know, once you started to lose like the NCAA video game and with the Ed O'Bannon case and some certain things, um, this was something that I always viewed as a matter of time. Um, and I'd say probably four years ago, three, four years ago is when I started not necessarily planning for it, but seriously thinking that, hey, the, the, the change would be imminent and trying to, you know, help position people to succeed and make the most of it. And, um, you know, going back to old conversations with people like Steve Clarkson and him kind of seeing the writing on the wall or Quincy Avery. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that, you know, this topic is near and dear to their heart. And I think it's, look, it's, it's taken a lot of work by a lot of people and, you know, whether that's in Washington, D.C., or different politicians throughout the country, or different, you know, athlete advocates. Um, it's really cool to see, and, you know, obviously I'm super excited for this, that these kids are able to earn what they, they deserve. You, you mentioned a couple years ago kind of preparing for it. How, on your side of things, of working in the brand management sector, how has someone like yourself kind of shifted gears or adapted your business philosophy to get yourself ready to where we are now, where athletes eventually will be able to to profit? I'd say from a pure business standpoint, for me, there's there's too many unknown variables to say that I'm really preparing to kind of, you know, benefit personally or as a company or, you know, anything in that lens. I'd say, you know, even going back to the time at Adidas, though, um, we always took pride in kind of educating kids on, you know, this idea of a personal brand and what the capabilities could be. Or, you know, I'd say even the the high school class of 2018 is kind of when we start, hey, this is going to happen before you guys graduate, was our thought. And I think they'll miss it by a year. But, um, you know, just more so just helping these kids, again, because I've been fortunate enough to be in positions uh, where, where I worked closely with a number of top high school athletes and college athletes and more so, you know, helping them kind of protect themselves against the potential pitfalls of, you know, some bad advice they may be getting or making sure that things that are on their Twitter timeline from 2015 when they're 14 years old don't come back and cost them deals. Um, But, you know, my big thing now is as it gets closer, just trying to make sure that, you know, the only information that's getting shared is the correct information. And there's, there's a lot of things being kind of being passed around that are stated as fact. And the truth is there's just so many variables. So it's, hey, you know, you want to prepare for a range of different cases. Speaking with Zach Zoskins of Voltage Management uh, about the name, image, and likeness and how it could impact things. And real quick to get your backstory on, you mentioned you've worked with a lot of athletes coming up through the high school ranks into college. Just real quick, who are some of the the names that people might recognize that that you've had time to work with and maybe what have you helped them with? Um, I'd say, so it's funny, my first uh, real start in the space was actually 
working as a recruiting intern at the University of Oregon. Um, so I was a part of a group of people that launched the uh, Oregon Gridiron Instagram handle of that website. And Very popular name. Twitter account had existed. The that account, had, the Twitter had existed, but we you know had kind of revamped it from. They're more just using it as like a news outlet, um, and that's when they really started going with those hype videos. And I honestly think that type of stuff was the first step towards this when you had the teams and the coaches being so conscious of the brands that they were building at the schools. I think it only became a matter of time until it reached the athletes. And then I'm on the athlete side. The first time I, I really say I truly appreciated the power of the kind of influence that these amateur athletes were having as related to my work was when I was in, I was at Adidas. Um, my first job was in social media, but then I, I went to a, the grassroots sports marketing job in January of 2017. And so you had that high school class with Tate Martell, Tyjon Lindsay, Darnay Holmes, a couple of uh, kids, you know, Brandon Riley Hiles was a year younger, but he really understood it. And you were able to see that, look, these kids were creating trends basically on the fly. Like there's little, you know, Buki would use the, the black flag emoji and that took off. And he could, I mean, when we were at Adidas, you know, without anyone asking him to or anything like that, like they tweeted a, a Nebraska baseball jersey that we launched and immediately sold out. Or Tate Martell wore a pair of gold cleats to the opening and then tweeted about them and got like a thousand retweets or something. And that's, you know, these are bigger numbers than we were seeing NFL sponsored athletes to it. And these were kids that were just in high school. So you could kind of, you know, it wasn't hard to connect the dots. You brought up the, the fact that you were also a recruiting intern at, at Nike or at, at Oregon, um, working with the Oregon Gridiron account. How, how prominent or how, how regular was it when you were working there of building a brand? Because Oregon, I, I think if you were to name a school out there that's really good at marketing the you know Oregon it's going to be one of the first schools that people mention if not the best oh uh, it yeah it, it 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 absolutely is the best and it goes back to the you know the Joey Harrington poster in Times Square but uh when I was there it was like there was just when they were getting the first PE Jordans and we did things that like playing up the gear and again I think it was we weren't at the point where we were talking to, actually I should take that back the the first one at Oregon that really had the personal brand was D'Anthony Thomas because it was so unique and it was so him. And I think that's, you know, they, and I think Oregon, again, going back to Joey, did a great job of promoting their players' personal brands and trying to turn them into celebrities because they understood the positive impact it had for the kids and as well as it had for the school. But again, I, I do think, you know, Oregon is such a perfect example of this because they have, you know, they've been operating as, uh, as Andy Pittens coined the, or Andy McNamara, the national brand for, you know, 10 years now, at least. And Oregon Gridiron, just so that familiar people, the people that listen to this podcast are familiar to the timeline. When, when were those, the, when were the years that you were working in the recruiting department there? Uh, 2010 to 13. So right around when, like you said, you know, D'Anthony was probably one of the first guys to step up because he, he arrived in 2011 and left after the 2013 season. And, um, Let's fast forward to to now. Um, I, I think yeah, probably one one thing on the D'Anthony note, just a, a random example of yeah. this and the influence is it. I I don't know if he tweeted it or somehow it came out where he went fishing, and the next day you had like a hundred people there because they were all <laughs> trying to see him, right? And this is a guy who built his brand on Twitter and you know the all caps and a seen a deer and 
right? You know, there's the classic Anthony Thomas, Thomas tweets were the best and they were just so authentic and raw and that like people were truly connecting with a kid. And so that was, yeah, uh, that just I'd forgotten about that story, but yeah, it just kind of spoke to, you know, he said a location and people showed up and if that's not influence, I don't know what it is. Do you think from a recruiting standpoint, schools that are good at, at building brands like Oregon, do you think that could eventually turn into uh, a really strong pitch or a reason why a, 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 an athlete could choose to go to college at that school because they have a history of building brands? 100%. And I think, um, you know, Oregon and the history and the relationship with Nike, and I'll, I think the Nike part might be overstated for the recruiting standpoint as it relates to name engine likeness, but just the Oregon brand and how strong it is and how people care about it across the country and, you know, if you look good in your uniform, you're, you know, that helps your brand, too. And all those different things, I think it absolutely will help with recruiting. The one, the biggest piece that I, I see coming is the content creators, right? The video photo team. And I think those have gotten a lot of love the past couple of years. Um, but, you know, the big one that it recently was USC hired the guys over from LSU, right? You know, and these you now have the content creators as celebrities. And, uh, you know, you and I had talked in the past. I really compare them to kind of how the facilities used to be this thing that schools were going to invest in. It's, you know, yeah, it was for the experience, but it was really for recruiting. And I think the content creators could absolutely become that because if you're getting content, you know, obviously for free from your team that is really, really good, engaging, high-quality content, that's going to drive your social, social media numbers up. You're going to have more followers. You're going to be able to command a a higher asking price for different endorsement deals. Yeah, you, so, yeah you, I think that the school's, school's ability to brand, I think, is going to be huge. And I think there's some schools that have already, you know, Ohio State and Oklahoma were early on pitching kids on their personal brands. Um, and, you know, Oklahoma did a whole thing with kids' logos and signing day this year. I know Texas has done some stuff. So I think it's, you know, and it, the truth is, you know, when you think, think about it, right, it's we're talking about Oregon, LSU, Ohio State, Oklahoma. It's programs that are operating at a high level in everything that they do. All, all sports, right? Not not just football. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's – look, I think football, it's so hard to build a great football program that you usually need a, a university and athletic department that's firing at all cylinders to do it. So, I, you know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that those are the schools that understand what's coming, that are investing it, and they're allocating their resources there. And, again, the Oregon video team's been great for years. I think they'll be continue to be an asset for years to come. We're talking with uh, Zach Soskin of Voltage Management. He helps athletes – with their personal brands and and Zach, I think when name, image, and likeness was first thrown out into the mainstream and paying players off of it, I think everyone gravitated towards, oh, this is going to help football players, and there's going to be, you know, just lines and lines of businesses throwing money at, at at athletes to help them go to that school. And I I would argue, well, most of these guys are probably most of these athletes that get profits off of name, image, and likeness in college will come from the football side. But I would argue that there's going to be a huge chunk that are other sports and maybe aren't necessarily oh, the, the best player on their team. Yeah, I think I think other sports is huge. I think, the, I think that's something that, especially when the conversation was first getting started, people really missed the boat on that. Cause like, oh, it's not going to be fair. It's only going to be a select few kids. And it's it's no, it's, you know, I think you, you know, Oregon women's basketball team is going to be able to hold clinics and they're going to be able to either charge kids to attend or they're going to be able to use that as a platform to drive sponsorship. And so now all of a sudden 
the, the women on the team are running the camp themselves, they go get sponsors for it and they're able to, to reap the benefits. And I think, honestly, I think, you know, if we're looking at last year, I think Sabrina would have made more money than Justin Herbert. Wow. Well, and how? Not just, not just through, not just through like camps or something like that, but I mean, you look at what happened when they put her uniform for sale, like it sold, it sold out, out right away. Um, you talk about, you know, UCLA is at a number of gymnasts. Um, Maggie Nichols at Oklahoma this year, or Nebraska volleyball, or, you know, there's Penn State wrestling. There's all these kind of iconic programs that are so beloved in their community that those, the athletes there are you know, going to be able to make, you know, not crazy money, but for their situation, life-changing money. When, when, when you're looking at these athletes, let's use Justin Herbert and Sabrina Unescu as examples. Um, if you were working with them, what would what would be the focus in terms of reaching some kind of an agreement in a contract with businesses to pair up with? What What are the things that college athletes are going to be, you know, going towards? Um, number one is just, you know, focusing on local, right? I think, again, the over, there's been an over-exaggeration of how many national deals will be available or sneaker deals or things like that. Like, I don't think they'll be the sneak. I think the sneaker companies will have to stay out of it because of their association with the colleges, and it just creates a lot of, you know, in problems there, right? If you go sign, if Adidas couldn't try to sign a kid from Oregon, it would just be weird, and the kid couldn't wear the gear anywhere, anyways, right? Um, and, and I think you know, if, if Nike were to go try to sign a kid at Arizona State, Oregon would be asking why those resource, resources weren't going to their students, right? Um, so I think the uh, focusing on the local and really building in your community, and when you become beloved in your community, that's maybe when you can play in the national space. And then also understanding that, again, a lot of what you're going to have to be doing, especially early on in your career, is kind of working for your money, as I call it. It's, you're not going to necessarily get paid just for you know your endorsement or your image in a commercial. You're going to get paid to show up places, sign things, teach, and things like that. And you kind of got to you know, it's going to require some effort, but I think as you kind of create and you make yourself a pillar in the community, you have an identity that's going to be unique to you. Like, uh, you know, if I'm a kid at Oregon this year, like I'm absolutely going to wear number zero right now that you can, now that football players can wear zero, go do something different. You're the kid wearing, you know, it's a zero is an O it ties in locally and you can kind of play on that. And I think it's kind of finding those niche things that you have or, you know, Justin flow, like the baby man persona and name, like it get really gives people something to grasp to and remember him by. And so he's a kid who I think, you know, will be, will be very, very well positioned moving forward. When, and when we talk about doing these deals, is it strictly just traditional mediums of, of media where it, it, it's TV, it's print, it's maybe an ad on an, on a website or could we see it it flow over to sponsored posts on Twitter or sponsored posts on Instagram uh, I, and, and TikTok? I think you nailed it. I think it's actually it's gonna be very, very, very few traditional media deals and almost entirely social media. Just because the the dollar amounts we're talking about, they're they're sponsored post deals, right? They're not you know, T V campaigns are expensive. If they're gonna do that, they're gonna go with a Pat Mahomes, right? Um, you know, maybe some local stuff there but i think for the most part and for the the average athlete it's going to be about you know getting a thousand or two thousand dollars for a social media post um and then as you can build that it matters and that's i think you know there there's little things that that people aren't necessarily considering like i think there's going to be a newfound importance or not importance but potential in staying home for college right if you're a local kid the fan base just loves you more 
And so I think you could see something interesting there where, you know, are kids going to stay home with school more because they have that built-in audience or because there's different sponsorship opportunities there? And, you know, I'd say this, I'm not, it's it's hard to tell exactly how much it'll move the needle, but if I'm a coach recruiting a local kid, I'm absolutely giving them that pitch. So, so like an athlete like Justin Herbert or Brady Breeze or Peyton Pritchard. Exactly, exactly. Um, Yeah, I think Herbert, yeah, you know, so the, the, I don't want to make it seem like I was discounting what Justin would have been able to do. Here. Oh, sure. More trying to talk up Sabrina and what she was capable of. And, and look, and Justin also didn't have social media, so there was that miss there. But I think, yeah, exactly, those types of kids would be huge. Or, uh, uh, I mean, shoot, you know, at the time when I was at Oregon, like Thomas Tyner was as big of a celebrity as almost anyone on the team, right? You know, when they, they showed him on the scoreboard almost accidentally and the crowd erupted, <laughs> so they had to self-report a minor violation, right? <laughs> Because, you know, you accidentally showed the kid and he got a big reaction and that's right. technically not okay. So, it's you know, you have kids like that or, uh, you know, I think, again, it could be really interesting to see what the, the potential is. I mean, a kid like, you know, if Sam Ellinger was allowed to do deals now, he would be up there with anyone in the country, right? You have a kid that went to Austin Westlake. Now he's at UT Austin playing quarterback here. Like, so there, those types of stories I think will be interesting. And, look, obviously that's not something that's a huge boost for Oregon, but, you know, they're able to make up with it because they are, the, you know, as good of a brand as there is in For college sure. sports. Let's take a quick break on today's episode of Odds and Audibles, and we're interviewing Zach Soskin. We'll be right back. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Odds and Audible's podcast. We're interviewing Zach Soskin of Voltage Management. He helps athletes build and maintain their brands. And we're talking with him about everything with name, image, and likeness and how it, it could impact college athletics and how it could help or impact the University of Oregon and their athletes. How, how much do you feel like the market that the school is in is going to play into the chances of, of those athletes at that particular school making money? Because let's, let's take, for example, you know, USC and Oregon. You know, USC is smack dab in LA, one of the, the biggest cities in the world, whereas Eugene is... is 
it's a decent sized city, but it's nowhere even close. And the market is nowhere even close in terms of the businesses. Is that going to factor in, you think, as well? Or is it more of a state-by-state basis? I think the the market matters, but it's not about the size of the city, right? I think, look, uh, the demand for an Oregon football player, you know, will be higher than the demand for a UCLA football player, just because of how, you know, the importance within that market, right? If you're, you know, the Oregon's the only football team in the state of Oregon, right? Think about LA, you're competing with every celebrity and all these different pro athletes and all those types of things. So I think the, the you know, the, the market matters, but it's not about the big city necessarily. You know, again, Lincoln, Nebraska is going to crush it, right? I mean, Tuscaloosa, they'll do well. But I think, again, because of the way the city shuts down on game day in Eugene or the fact that there isn't an NFL team in Portland, um, I think still makes Oregon a potentially desirable market and from a you know revenue standpoint. Um, but, yeah, and the other thing I think is I'm really curious to see what, you know, the schools that I bring up are SMU, and maybe TCU a little bit because, you know, they're both right in that Dallas area, Houston, and then even UNLV. You have these kind of sleeping giant programs in markets where they could be eager to spend, and you never know how that's going to play out, right? I think, you know, there, there could be a booster in Dallas with a chain of restaurants or with something that he decides that he wants to, you know, make SMU athletes the face of all of his advertisements. I mean, that's going to be a huge boon for them. And they're able to justify it because there's big business in Dallas and same with Houston and, you know, how UNLV approaches things is going to be really interesting with the, you know, you got the casinos right there and the gambling aspect. And obviously they need to stay far away from that, but you know that there's going to be some, maybe some businesses, you know, adjacent to that world that'll try to play in this space. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good point about the, the big cities that have some schools in there that are sleeping giants. Um, talking with, with Zach Zoskin, uh, voltage management, he, works with athletes building their brands and let let's look at I, i'm focusing on Oregon because that's who i cover but i think they are they are also a very good test subject just because they have a lot of high pro profile athletes across the board like you said in sports and Haley cruz softball player uh she is announced that she's going to return to oregon for her fifth year of, of athletic ability um because of covid19 shutting down her senior season and I think now that means that she'll be able to maybe profit off of this or be available for it. Um, what's her? Uh, I think she'll. I think she'll actually miss, miss it. it. Oh, that's right. So far. That's because right. Because it's it's going to be the next academic, like right. the next sport year, right? So it'll be football the year after. But you know, you you bring her up. I mean, she is a certified social media celebrity, right? You know, she's got. I, I don't even know what her follower account is at now, but she's another one who would be able to make real real money i mean i going if i'm being honest if you look at the the oregon football team now you know based on the returning roster you can make the argument that haley would have a higher demand and earnings between now and the time football season starts than the football team right if anthony brown gets there and steps up and becomes the guy or you know different things happen you know the dbs that are all about to go to the league could have potential but if you look at what, you know, brands and the people who write the checks are really looking for, Haley has as much of it as anyone. Looking towards the future, like if you were going to advise a high school athlete that's a top 100 recruit for football or for basketball, maybe top 100 is not far, you know, far back enough. Maybe it's top 250 or 300 or 400. I don't know. 
But what what could athletes be doing right now to better position themselves uh, so that once they get to college, they could be in a position to profit off their name, image, and likeness? What are brands looking for? You're working with these brands. You're working with these athletes. What what's the connection that they the athletes need to have to be ready to be able to be in this kind of position outside of being a very talented player? Yeah, yeah. Like obviously, on field performance will always be the biggest driver. Um, but I'd say you know look at things. There's the basics of just like don't do anything to ruin your brand, right? If you're in legal trouble or if you're tweeting or Instagramming inappropriate things, like. That'll always, they're going to red flag you the same way schools red flag it when they're trying, you know, when they're deciding who to offer a scholarship to. But in a, you know, as far as the positive, it's get active on social media now, right? Don't, I think the, the number one thing I've been telling kids is don't wait till they change the rules to start trying to put yourself in the best position, right? So, and like with Instagram, the, honestly, it's basically like the more you post on Instagram, the more followers you're going to gain, especially if it's good content. So I'd say get active on social media, make an effort to post premium content. I mean, when you see it now at all these camps or combines or all-star games or even the regular high school games, these kids are getting really, really great professional images. So it's like, hey, use that, not the blurry iPhone photo. Um, And then the other thing is, you know, try to start to think about what your brand is going to be. And I don't mean like a, you know, a merch line or something like that, but like, what are you going to be known for? I always tell kids, you know, people only have the kind of bandwidth to describe you in one or two sentences. So try to think about what you want those sentences to be and start making sure what you're posting on social media, what you're doing in the community plays into that image, right? Um, and then the other thing is once you get on campus, really, you know, take the extra effort to try to be as beloved in that community as possible. You know, if you're a football player, you should be going to men's and women's basketball games and gymnastics, you know, whatever it is, or showing up at the local restaurants and the other thing there is, you know, figure out who the big businesses are in the area or if there's donors that have businesses that it could make sense to do an endorsement deal. And I know there's some, like, that's another gray area, right? If a booster owns a company, they might not be able to have that company do an endorsement deal, which is tough. But, um, you know, get to know the person, right? You're, at the end of the day, you're not selling a company. You're selling an individual person on whether or not they should do a deal with you. So if you if you know who that person is and you can go introduce yourself to them either while you're in college or before you get there, go make that effort because that's how you end up getting the deal done at the end of the day. How how many athletes do you feel like at a particular college could end up realistically getting some kind of consistent deal, whether it's the football team, basketball team, the entire department? I mean, I, I think people look at this and think every athlete's going to get paid, and that's just not the case. Um, but there could be, I don't know, maybe 10, 15. Is that, is that too low of a number from across an entire athletic department, you think? Yeah, I, so I would go higher because it's, again, what are you, you know, what type of money are we talking about? What type of deals are we talking about? Um, I circle back to, like, the camps and clinic business. Huge untapped potential there. Right. So you could, you know, if the girls wanted to, they could split it amongst themselves evenly or, the, you know, however you want to do it. Right. Um, so I think, you know, how they choose to work together might dictate some of that. And I, but I, you know, I can't imagine a star player just doing the camp for themselves and not showing their teammates a little bit of love on, you know, because that could create some friction. And those are the types of problems that that's what coaches are really worried about. You know, is, is it all of these kids going to be distracted or is it going to cause fighting in the locker room and things like that? So I think they'll make sure that they go the extra step to try to preach, hey, you know, let's let's make this as great for everyone as we can. But um, I think, again, the, the other thing is the social media posts, um, that those are just, you know, 
Like if you have 10,000 followers and they're in a certain community, that's valuable to a brand. And you look at how many kids on the team have at least that, um, they'll, they'll be able to make a dent. So I think you're looking at, you know, most of the, it's a, if you're a, you know, an offensive skill player or a starter on the football team, they'll be able to get something. Or if you're a highly rated recruit coming in, um, I think, again, Oregon's such a great example because, I mean, you have track and field athletes that are future Olympians. You have, like, they're so good in so many sports that I think you could see a lot of seasonal deals that, you know, maybe Diamador's promoting the brand in the fall. There's a women's basketball player in the winter, and then you got Haley doing it in the spring, right? Um, I think it's, it's, it's the big, I'd say the biggest misconception is it's not going to be like year long contracts or retainers or things like that. For the most part, we're talking about like getting paid for specific campaigns, specific appearances and things like that. I think the, the year long deal will be kind of what you're talking about, whether that's more few and far between. Talking with Zach Zoskin of uh, voltage management. He works with athletes and, and real quick before we wrap this up, should it be up to the athlete to hire someone like yourself when they're in college to help them with this or should you feel like that should fall on the university as a way to better prepare them as well um it's a combination of both i think the university has a duty to make sure they're doing their best to educate their athletes right make sure they know the rules that's the other bit like again there's because there's so much misinformation out there it's like hey let's make sure everyone knows the rules and we you're not going to get ruled ineligible and ruin everything over one two thousand dollar deal because you did it the wrong way um and and again just providing them some best practices and things like that that i believe falls on the school the next piece is i think there needs to be some sort of certification or monitoring who is working with the athletes right whether that's through the state that have agent certification or the ncaa or the conferences or even the schools having some approved list i do think you need some barrier to entry that way you can keep out some, you know, nefarious people looking to scam kids or, you know, make a dollar off their back, things like that. Um, but, you know, from there, I do believe that's important. Kids have representation, you know, especially the bigger name kids, that they, they have representation outside of the school because, look, I mean, the stat came out that the NCAA spent, you know, like 100000 a month the last three months um, in lobbyists in D.C. trying to influence these laws. And it's the first time they've ever paid for lobbyists. It's because there is going to be a hit to the schools and the conferences, right? The, the businesses that are most likely to sponsor athletes are the businesses that are currently sponsoring the school and the team. And so what you're going to see is a, some reallocation of sponsorship dollars where it's going straight from the school. So, hey, you know what? Let's peel off our school spend by, you know, 50% or 25% and give that to these athletes. And now we can do something with the school and the athletes and you have the best of both worlds. And so that's why you can't have the school or anyone, you know, directly affiliated or working for the school doing the deals for the athletes because you actually have super conflicting interests, right? Learfield IMG wants to get it to them and the school, not the athlete. I hadn't thought of that. That's actually a really good point. And um, I'll, I'll leave you with this question. Um, looking at where things are what's the biggest misconception you feel like you, you you've talked about that a little bit a couple times of there's some misconceptions out there what, what do you feel like is the biggest one that, that people are associating with name image and likeness and athletes being able to profit off of it uh the the size of the deals and the prevalence of the sneaker brands um i just think you know 
that's always people always do whenever I see few things that are examples of the endorsements um, from kind of the outside world. It's always either about the video game, which I think now people understand why that's not going to be able to come back um, because there isn't collective bargaining and group license and um, you know every rule that the NCAA has put forth as a proposal would not make that possible. And then the other thing is people talk about a a Nike deal or Adidas deal or Under Armour deal, and I think there's again there's too many conflicting interests and there's too you know, the, the sneaker brands kind of all have incentive to all stay away. Because as long as nobody goes and makes a deal, then none of the other ones don't have to, right? It's a super reactionary business. So, I, and I think they they all understand that it's in their best interest to just stay out of it. Um, so to, that's that's probably the biggest thing. And again, like we talked about, just that the money is going to be coming locally. It's not like, you know, like a Trevor Lawrence absolutely could be in national commercials right now. And, you know, a Justin Fields and, you know, maybe a couple other guys, Sam Sam Ellinger could probably, you know, go outside of Texas too, but you just, the, the average kid, they're just not the draw there. I mean, you know, I think when people think about endorsement deals, a lot of time they go back to the money that they hear basketball players getting paid from sneaker companies. And what they need to remember is even the money that football players get is a fraction of that. So you don't, you know, everyone hears these big NBA deals and it's, you got to kind of wipe that from your memory because that's not what the market's going to be um, for other sports or for, for most college athletes. Yeah, it feels like every year there's maybe one Zion or there's one Tua um, or one Sabrina where that that's not at every single school. There's maybe one one player at each sport across a national level that could draw those types of national pulls. Exactly, exactly. And again, the the so the women's sports thing is going to be super interesting to me because you end up in a spot where college women athletes are a lot of times the most famous athlete in their sport right i think sabrina is the most famous basketball player in the country probably or a women's basketball player in the country um of you know the ones that are currently playing i mean you look at the the love that she was getting from the pro nba guys and different things like that's where it's interesting or even some of the gymnasts or softball so um that i'm curious to see how that plays out but yeah i think the national deals will be few and far between because again those national deals are just going to go to the pros He's Zach Zoskin of uh, Voltage Management, works with athletes, uh, building their brands. Hopefully, he's given us some really good insight into this name, image, and likeness. Zach, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Always a great time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.